Welcome to an inspirational message recorded live at Little Falls Christian Center. Hallelujah. What an absolutely anointed song. You may take your seats. Thank you very much. Thank you, band. Thank you, Pastor Harold and Maud, for this wonderful opportunity to stand here and minister God's Word. How lovely. Well, I pray that you will have a good day. Half an hour ahead of us. Keep your Bibles ready. Keep your hearts right. And uh, an attitude. <laughs> you know why I say an attitude? I've been thinking a lot about uh, Christians in general. Man, if you preach a message that's just glory, glory, hallelujah, and amen, and everything is good, everybody shouts and jumps and whatever, but boy, oh boy, if you say, uh, would you maybe mind to do something for the Lord? Shh, just becomes very quiet. So the Lord took me to Paul in Acts. You don't have to turn there because I'm just going to read it. You can trust me, I'm a pastor. I'm just going to read it for you, Acts chapter number 9, Paul on the road to Damascus, and we see that he's fervent uh, in his endeavors to get the way out of the way. And then in verse 4, we see that he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, verse 5, and he said, first of two questions, who are you, Lord? And then in verse 6, what do you want me to do? Now, if you're a real Christian, you would this morning say, Pastor Tians, show me who God is and then tell me what I must do. Amen. You got it. Those that said amen, you're going to get it. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about this beautiful um, screen behind me that um, Philip made, and it's called Christ-like Discipleship. I want you to look at this father with a boy by his hand, and all of us have had this, where you take a child by the hand and you begin to walk with that child. Now you know how children are. Here's the child on my, by my hand, and man with the other hand, they're busy. They're picking berries and frogs and rocks and looking at the ants, but they hold on to the hand of the father. Particularly in a shopping center, you've got to hold very tight to that hand, otherwise they're gone. Now we are this child, and our Father is God, and we need to take hold of His hand. And discipleship and your Christian walk is exactly this. It is you taking the hand of God, and then walking with Him hand in hand. But here you are busy with your daily things. You are busy, but don't let go of the hand of the Father. And here it is, every now and then, just look up to see if He's still approving of what you're doing. Just look up to get, get that reaffirming look in His eye. Great, He's still doing good. And listen to this, the teaching moments. The teaching moments. When I walk with my, with my grandchildren, I'm a grandpa that just loves nature, and I love uh, stars and whatever else. So my poor grandchildren grew up like this. We would walk. They would be picking up whatever. I'll have them by the hand. And then with the other hand, they're here and there. Then I would say, stop. Here is a teaching moment. And they would stop. And they call me Opa Google. They just don't know I actually Google and then give them the answers, but don't tell them that. 
So then I see the ants building their little heaps and I tell them the rain is coming. And I see a moth and this cocoon and I see this and that. Teaching moments. So here is the thing, Christ-like discipleship is like this. We need to take a hold of the hand of God and never let go. But with the other hand, we still have to do the things that we need to do. So my question this morning to you and I would be, how will Tiens Blom be remembered? How will your name in that space be remembered? How am I being remembered? People look at you and they say, Tiens is a person. Jacques is a person. Corin is a person. You fill in the blank. What kind of a person are you? Now here's my question. What is the greatest compliment anybody can ever get on the face of the earth? If somebody says, that person is a Christ-like person. Come on. That person is like Christ. I can see Jesus in that person. But I want to say to you, it just does not come naturally. It is actually sometimes you've got to stop and think. What am I doing here? Is it really being Christ-like? Now, Romans chapter number 8, verse 26. We all know it. And you don't have to turn there, but if you do, you know we've got these scriptures that we just at random say, okay, that one I like, this one I'm going to skip. That one I like, this one is, I'm going to skip. Now Romans 8 is one of those. Everybody knows Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But what about the other following scriptures? What about the preceding scriptures? And then we get to verse 26 which says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes sure, intercession for us. Do you know how awesome it is? That when you don't know what to pray, I, I <laughs> there's somebody in the church, one of my colleagues, he always says to me, Esther, jy sal weet wie dit is, want dit is jou man. Sê altyd vir my, he always says to me, Why do you sigh like that? He just don't understand. It is the most powerful form of prayer. When I don't know what to pray, I go, It's a prayer. Amen? So, that was pulling his leg, by the way. I say, It's a prayer. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay. So, makes intercession for us with groanings which we cannot... Uh, cannot be uttered. Now verse 27, we kind of skip that because it's not one of these favorite verses, but it says, now he who searches the hearts, what does God do? Right now, he's searching our hearts, knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints, what? Oh, according to the will of God, allow the Spirit to make intercession for you when you really don't know where to and what to anymore. Now verse 28, we all know. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord. You see what I'm trying to say? Knit these scriptures together and you will see what the will of God is. And when you don't know what the will of God is, the Holy Spirit will pray through you the perfect will of God because He knows it. What do we have to do? Surrender. Surrender. Hand over. Say, Father, not my will, but your will be done. And then we get 
to verse 29. And this is the key verse which very few people actually know. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Now don't get stuck on the thing of predestination because God knows everything anyway. Before the foundations of the earth, he knew who would serve him. Now, another sermon, another time. But it says here, predestined to be what? To be conformed to the image of Christ. What is the perfect will of God for you and I to be conformed to the image of Christ? We need to become real Christ-like people. Okay. So the Bible is full of characteristics that set Christ-like people apart from non-Christ-like people. You know, most of us, well, maybe I should say the pastors because we don't rub shoulders with the kind of people that you probably do. So my youngest daughter was just telling me about some people that she's encountered in her journeys that really, 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 there's nothing, nothing of Christ there. And I say it with great heartache because you know what? Those people are around us every day and they need to be touched with the hand of Christ. Those people need to be saved. We need to take serious note of the fact that there are lost people around us and you and I are, are, are their only hope of actually getting to see the light. Galatians 5 verse 13 reveals this nature. It says, for you, dear friends, have been called. All of you are called. I want you to do this and say, I'm called. Come on. I'm called. Called to do what? To live in freedom. Not to satisfy the sinful nature, but to serve one another in love. So the first characteristic, and I'm quickly just going to skip over these. The first characteristic of a Christ-like person is a God kind of love. When people look at you, do they say, I will remember that person as a person that showed love? The second one is fellowship and reconciliation. <clears throat> Excuse me. Are you the kind of person that always seek to work fellowship with others and reconciliation? The opposite, of course, is troublemakers, stirrers. Did you hear, you know, what, 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 what? Serve. Christ-like people are servants. How serving are we? What kind of a serving nature do we have? Are we known as servants or are we known as lords and masters? Encouragement. We need to encourage those around us. There are people every day that you will see that needs encouragement. And we are to be Christ to those people. We need to be people that pray and confess and edify. Are we people that pray? Do you know Jesus prayed? So we need to pray, edify, confess. 1 John 1, 9, if you confess. Six point, bold unity in humility. Are we people that bold unity? Are we walking in humility or are we seen as puffed up proud people? I know I'm talking to the converted here, but there are people out there that need to hear this. Are we living in harmony with everybody? Do we comfort one another? 
You know, often I see that when we don't know how to, or things don't make sense for us, we just tend to turn away and say, I, I don't know how to deal with this. And the last one is, we need to teach in discipleship. Do you know that discipleship is something that each and every person can do? I want you to think right now of at least one person in your friendship circle or in your family circle that you can easily spend time with and you're actually going to enjoy it. Come on, think of one person. Now you ask yourself, is that person actually speaking into my life or am I speaking into that person's life? If you have that kind of a person, you've got the potential to start a discipleship fellowship with that person. And there's some guidelines the pastors can give you. I need to move on because believe me, I've got 15 minutes and 50 pages. So, have you ever heard this statement? And you all have because I have heard it numerous times. If that person is a Christian, I don't want to be one. Come on. Now the question is, are we that kind of a person? That when people look at us, we wear the badge, Christian, but can they really see Christ in everything we do? You know, who was the most successful Christian of all times? Anybody give me an idea. Who do you think was the most successful Christian of all times? Anybody? Dr. Dennis, who do you think? Apostle Paul. Right, you get 100% minus one. The most successful Christian of all time was Jesus the Christ. Then Paul, after him, the most successful. So there's your 100%, I'll give you credit. If we want to call ourselves Christ, Christian, we've got to, Christian, we've got to make a serious effort of looking at the life of Jesus the Christ. And I know you're doing it. There's not a person in this place that's seated here or that's watching me out there, that tuned in today, that's watching whatever, that does not have that desire in their heart. I want to be more Christ-like. Can I have an amen on that? That's it. We all want it, people. But how are we going to get it? It's no use. We only, and I'm not breaking down what's happening on a Sunday, hear me. But it's no use. We only sit here and we hear what the minister says or on the TV or wherever you are. But it is when I actually take what I've heard here and I go and practice it out there. That's discipleship. That is when the game changes, when the thing changes, when I go and I sit with somebody. And let's just face it, often a home cell is just also a mini church. But there's another level which we need to begin to engage with now. And that is in that home cell, in your family circle, in your friendship circle, wherever. Find at least one person and say, I'm going to invest in you and I want you to be um, uh, accountable here with me. We're going to do this thing called discipleship. Discipleship is literally apprenticeship. It's where I do something and somebody else sees it and that person begins to do it. Now, up until this point, it's still kind of quiet around here. <laughs> but do we attract people or we actually repel people? 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14 and 15 speaks about the fact that we are a fragrance. 
What kind of a fragrance are we? It's this kind of a sermon this morning. Lizzo said, are you going to hit us with a stick? <laughs> I hit with love. Because those whom the Father loves, He disciplines. And if you're without discipline, you're illegitimate and not sons and daughters, Hebrews tells us. So I do it with love. Why? Here's the question. Imagine if each and every one of us in this year ahead of us takes this assignment and say, I'm going to practice discipleship in a meaningful and a constructive and a premeditated way. I'm going to be here for you. Do you know, looking back over 30 years of ministry at this stage, I have realized that I did not even have the capacity to, <laughs> to disciple 12 people. Jesus was really the Christ to be able to do that. You cannot do it, but you can take one person. And I've seen how that one person I've taken become a disciple with fruit. I've seen another one take it and he becomes a disciple with fruit. And I take another one and thank God I sit today at this stage in my life and I look and I see the fruit in the field and I can shout hallelujah, discipleship works people. What are we gonna do about this? Take somebody and get active, hallelujah. This is the only way we're going to make a difference in this world. We cannot just sit in a church and get a glory, glory, hallelujah, bless me message, wherever that is on the planet, and go out and say, wow, what a nice sermon. <laughs> you know, preaching is often like counseling. And the audience sitting in front of you is like the husband and wife sitting there. One thing I've learned the hard way is, is if you say what the wife wants to hear, you're a great counselor. But if you say what the husband does not want to hear, you're the worst counselor. I say what the Spirit of God says. And where do we get it? In the Word. So, Christ is the one that makes the difference. Do you know that often the most powerful disciples on this planet are people that might be sitting in this church, might be watching me, might be hearing me. People whose names aren't known. It's not in the newspapers. It is not in the media. They've never received a Nobel Prize. Yet, one day in the kingdom of heaven, I tell you, they will stand right in front, in front of all of these people that had the titles and the whatever else. And God will say, well done, faithful servant. Oh, hallelujah. No trumpet in ahead of our, or in front of our mouths, but doers of the word. Jesus wants to speak to us and through us. I was in an underground church with my wife. We lived there for a week in a country where people are terribly persecuted. You literally can go to prison and you literally can have, lose your life. We ended up in this church living there. That incident changed my life forever. Because for the first time in my life, I saw 
discipleship and the true church in its fullest of action. It shook my foundations. You know what happened? The night we arrived there, there was this young girl walking up and down in the street and it looked like she was handing out advertisements. We went to our room, the next morning we came out, she was walking up and down with a book behind her back like this and she was just pacing up and down and I saw the gilded edges and I said to my wife, that's a Bible. And she was living in this place and I said to her, excuse me, are you a Christian? And she said, yes, are you? And I said, yes, we are. And she says, how wonderful you're living in a church. And from that moment onward, I saw something. How people would take every opportunity. This young man would come in and sit at the, in the kitchen there uh, where the books are of the company, of the, the guest house. And he would just sit there writing and the owner would come and sit next to him. And so it would go on. Then he would go out and another one would come in and she'll be busy washing the dishes and the owner's wife would be next to her, and they'll go. And then I asked this man, who are these people? Are they volunteers? He said, no, they're disciples. They come in, and they receive, and they ask hard questions. And I say, I don't have the answer, but we'll find it together. So I saw it all over in cafes, in parks, on buses, in McDonald's, in, on trains. Everywhere, these two, two, three people meeting together with an excitement in their hearts because they want to know more how I can become like Christ. That is the key to change the world, people. We cannot remain the same. This is the beginning of a year. The home cells are starting and please, you've got to, got to go to a home cell. It's for your benefit. And you go, oh, I really don't feel I can have, I have the energy for it. This is what I want to say to you. We all feel like that when we've got to do exercise. But once you've got yourself going, it becomes actually enjoyable. Oh, hallelujah. Now it's quiet. So, I learned this lesson. And I had a whole set of Bible school DVDs that I wanted to give to them just to get the message of Christ out there in that uh, difficult country. And he turned around and he said to me, Tians, I am so sorry, but I don't want anything from the West because I've seen what the West have done to the church in our nation. That was my wake-up call. I walked up to my room and God confronted me with three questions. And the three questions that, I've, that he asked me shook me to my core. I stood there and I was literally shaking. And I said, God, do you mean to say that you are speaking these questions to me? He said, yes. Now it's nice to sit down there and listen to God asking me those questions. But what would happen if he asks you these questions? And the first question was, Luke 6, verse 46 and 47. Luke 6, 46, 47. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not do the things I've told you to do? I was shaken. And while I still stood there 
with a doorknob in my hand like this, holding on to it. He spoke Revelation 3, verse 15 and 16. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Pastor Tiens? And then the final one came. Matthew 19, verse 21 to 22. Jesus said to him, Matthew 19, 21. Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, that word perfect means, if you want to be whole, complete, meaning having done what I called you to do, if you want to be complete, if you want to be perfect, sure, go sell what you have. Give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. And like this man, I turned around and I became sorrowful because I had so much possessions. And I started talking to the Lord about everything that I could think of to be an excuse not to do what God here spoke to me. So what I am saying to you is the following. Does not mean you've got to resign your job tomorrow. It does not mean you've got to A, B, C, and D. But it means one thing. Take this morning's message from the throne of God, from the Father's heart. Take it to Him and reason together with Him and see what will come out. Time has caught me. It's very easy to read these verses. But lo and behold, if it's said to you, what will you do with it? So I want to end with this. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. This is not a suggestion, people. And you've heard it a million times, maybe even more. But what are we doing with it? And where will we start in our own home, own family, own circle of friends, own workplace? And Jesus came to them and he spoke to them. In verse 18, and it says, all authority, child of God, you've got all authority. As a Christian, you've got all authority. It says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now, go therefore. You don't have to leave South Africa. You don't have to go to a foreign country, but go to your neighbor, go to your family member. Engage with them in the following way. Go therefore and make disciples. Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. Then you've got to do that baptism. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then do what? Teaching them. Do you know how we grow when we teach others? If you have to prepare a message to teach at your workplace tomorrow, I guarantee you that will benefit you more than probably the people that will listen to you. Teaching them to observe all things I have. What? What? Anybody? Commanded. Who commanded? 
Jesus. We have no choice in this. Commandment. And I wish you can know what the rest is that I have here. But I want to leave you with this. There is a missionary by the name of Adoniram Judson. And Adoniram Judson, he was one of the most influential missionaries ever to Burma. And one day his wife came and she said, my husband, you're in the newspaper. And the article says that you likened unto the great apostles of the Bible. And he looked at her with amusement and he said, what? Only the apostles? I'd rather be likened to Christ. That's the key. I want to say this to you. This is not a glory, glory, hallelujah message. But who are you, Lord? Who are you, Christ? And what do you want me to do for you? What has he done for us? Is it too much to ask to find somebody and to begin to invest your life in that person? You'll never look back. Discipleship. Now, if you want to know more, come to the Bible school. Because this was actually one of the subjects, one session of the Bible school that I've given you this morning. Are you hungry? Are you coming? Let's stand. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, yes, Lord. Father, I pray that you will by your spirit now begin to work in the hearts of every hearer. Father, that there will be such a gentle move of your spirit, even on the most timid, the most insecure person, that they will say, you know what? I have to find somebody to invest my life in. And then on the other hand, I will have to find somebody to invest in me. Because you see the chain, Lord God, is still each one reach one to teach one to reach one. Now, Father, I release your precious children. You paid with your blood, Jesus, for our lives. And we're going to give some back now, becoming Christ-like disciples. In the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I release you to come tonight and receive a wonderful uplifting message here at Little Falls in Jesus' name. And everybody say, Amen. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.